You're listening to Brave Not Perfect with Reshma Sajani, presented by Anchor and Girls Who Code. Hey, it's Reshma. Welcome to Brave Not Perfect, the podcast where I talk with changemakers who all have one thing in common. At some point in their lives, they've decided to just jump in and make things better now, instead of waiting till they had all the skills and knowledge. They decided that it was better to be brave, not perfect. And this week's guest, she is a total champion to that way of life. Atima Louie is a co-founder and CEO of Nudist. Yes, N-U-D-E-S-T. That's how you spell it. The company has built this incredible skin tone matching technology, software that brands and retails use to make products that actually match more people's skin color. And you'll hear she's just a born entrepreneur. So I'll start by asking Atima, what inspired you to start your company? Honestly, a personal need. Um, I'm a very dark-skinned woman. Uh, My dad is a Sudanese refugee. That's where my skin tone really comes from, is East Africa. Mm -hmm. And I grew up... My parents are from Uganda. Oh, fantastic. Amazing. But I grew up in Topeka, Kansas. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't grow up with people that really looked like me, except for my sister. And, you know, this is really before big social media, right? And so the examples of beauty that I really had were things from like magazines and big companies telling me what I should look like. And I didn't fit the tall, skinny, blonde, Anglo definition of beauty. And so it wasn't until I was older um, at the end of college that I started to accept my own beauty and wanted to create like a company that would help people accept who they are and love who they are and find products that work for them. Do you remember like buying your first makeup as a kid? And going into like the aisle and like, how did you feel? Yeah. Well, my first exposure to makeup, honestly, was like one of my best friends in middle school yeah. and uh, she would bring over her makeup kit and she'd like always buy all of this makeup. She was like one of those yeah. proverbial like junkies of makeup <laughs> and she'd try on all these colors on me, um, lipstick yeah. or eyeshadow and We'd just be like, okay, nope, that's not going to work. Let's try this. No, nope. that doesn't work. And I honestly just like looked like a clown <laughs> in everything. Um, so yeah, early experience, not matching, yeah. you know, products. It's so interesting how we all have that thing. Like for me, I was, I was obsessed with having a license plate keychain that like had my name on it. And it would just hurt me deeply every time I went to Kmart and like, I would just like swing the racks, you know, looking for a Reshma and never find it. Mm-hmm. So it's so interesting how we have that. What, what is that thing for us that makes us feel like we don't belong, mm-hmm. you know, that we're not beautiful or that we're not worthy? Definitely. So you go to college, get your master's, MBA. Mm-hmm. What, when did you decide to be an entrepreneur? Uh, I decided pretty early, actually. Um, when I first decided to go to Washington University in mm-hmm. St. Louis, that's where I went to college. Yep. I knew I wanted to try something in business. I knew I was creative. And that school had an entrepreneurial program um, where you could write a business plan and pitch to the university for the opportunity to lease a storefront to space from them on campus. That's awesome. I know. So cool. Yeah. They still really do cool. it. That's amazing. I think it's really awesome. It's great to like learn um, hands-on like, yeah. and apply what you learn in school yeah. to your own business. So I had a full-service hair and nail salon. Really? <laughs> yeah. What was it called? Yeah. It was called Salon 4-0 because the area of campus was the South 40. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I employed um, cosmetologists, um, a barber, and it was really awesome. We thought we would 
be female first, um, but we found that our bread and butter was really the guys on campus. The dudes all needed a haircut. Exactly. Every two weeks or so, <laughs> they'd like come in and get their haircut. Um, and it was profitable. Um, it was a lot of fun. And it was addicting too, because I employed people in the local St. Louis area. And I was younger than them at the time, right? But um, learning how to lead, learning how to also lead from behind in a way because they were the experts. Um, And it was very um, successful because a lot of students didn't have cars. And so it was a good gig for them. And so that's how I like really realized, okay, I would love to be an employer of people. It's awesome to like empower others. Were you scared when you started this business or when you submit your plan or when were you ever, or you were just like never scared? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I'm always scared you have to push past that fear, you know, like now that I'm, I have this company and I have um, more experience. I'm learning that like when you lean into that fear, that's like where you should go. Where do you get that from? Ooh. um, I think my dad. Is it our immigrant mentality, like being hustlers? Yeah, exactly. My dad, Um, you know, he was a refugee, you know, Mm -hmm. and he came here when he was like a senior in high school. And yeah. yeah, so yeah. you got it. Like it's if you've seen Hamilton, you know, it's like exactly what Lynn Manuel talks about. He talks about like that immigrant mentality of Hamilton. Like you just hustle, like you have right. to prove yourself. It's that achievement orientation in order to succeed when you come from nothing. Yeah. Um, and my dad passed that on to me. Right. And I think it's the the defying the odds to like take a hundred steps towards upward mobility, right? So it's like you've got to take a big risk to go from nothing to even being in the middle class. Yes. And I definitely learned that from my dad too. Definitely. So you, so you start this salon, it's Mm -hmm. a big hit Mm -hmm. and you're like, I'm sold. I'm entrepreneur for life. Well, okay. Yeah. (laughs) But you know what? I also still recognized that I needed to like learn more skills. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wasn't entirely confident that I could just like go out on my own right after I graduated from college. So, um, what I ended up doing is looking for a job with a big company, um, doing marketing. Okay. I wanted to learn like, how do you think inside the box first so that you can learn how to break the mold and innovate from there. Right. I had a series of internships in undergrad, um, in Silicon Valley, but ended up picking a traditional company. I worked for Walmart. Yes, I heard. Yeah. What was that like? Um, it was awesome, to be honest. Um, it's a old brand, legacy business in a way. And uh, I found that I was one of the only, you know, one of the few millennials, right. one of the few people of color. Um, and so I found that I stood out. But if you come prepared and work hard, that yeah. actually worked in my advantage. And the company's so massive, even the littlest projects have big impact. How long were you there? I was there for almost two years. And then you're like, I'm done? Yeah. And so you went to business school. Why? So I decided to pursue an MBA because I liked the marketing function as a business um, or as a skill rather. And I knew that it could prepare you to like see a lot of different situations and problems. Yeah. So is it in business school that you thought about nudist? Yes. So where did that inspiration come from? Yeah. So um, in business school, I received an offer to work at a big tech company in Silicon Valley. And I signed it because these things like have an expiration date. They try to lock you in to start a job the next calendar year, like in September. So almost a full year in advance. But you know what? It just didn't feel right. Mm. Like my heart was just like not content. It was 
definitely something that was beautiful on paper. Everyone was congratulating me. My parents were so happy, right? right? But it didn't feel right. So I'm big into like spirituality Mm -hmm. and looking inward when you feel lost. Did some meditation and it just hit me for people who believe in God. I think it was God, universe, whatever, that told me that my purpose is to improve the confidence of dark-skinned women and girls. And so I just started thinking about, like, how can I Wow, you meditated on it, and that's what came to you. Yes. That's what revealed itself. That's powerful. Yeah, yeah, it was really powerful. Um, Like, I started crying when it happened. Um, I was like, okay, this is what I have to do. This is it. I looked inward at my heart, and that's what came out. It's It's so true. It's like when you find your passion, money will follow, success will follow, fame will follow. But, like, if you know the thing that's going to wake you up get you up in the morning, get you to go. Mm-hmm. It, it changes everything. So, you know, when we're talking about beauty and we're talking about this industry, not serving, you know, uh, women of color, it's a big business. Tell me about the market opportunity. Yeah, it's a big business. Um, it's beyond just women of color. Um, yeah. it's also very pale women. And we also say it's for women who just feel psychographically mm. like they don't match the standard. So what's pretty interesting is that $80 billion are spent across the world on nude products alone across fashion, lingerie, hosiery, shapewear, shoes, right? Yeah. Um, but then also in the beauty space, um, looking at your cosmetics. The other really exciting thing is that Fenty Beauty, right? Yes. Rihanna's, Rihanna's line. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is like the second brand I've ever really even attempted to try finding, you know, foundation for myself right. for. I mean, she made like so many million, I think it was like 70 million, 74 yeah. million she it in revenue in one month. That's insane, right? Because it's just an entire market that wasn't being served. So what is that about? You just think that what, what, why are we at this moment where we're finally calling, paying attention to the Mm -hmm. fact that there is a one beauty standard? I think it comes down to the internet and technology and social media. We as consumers, we decide what we want to see. And I think about my Instagram feed or my Facebook feed, right? The things that I see, especially in the beauty space are influencers that look like me yeah people have body types that look like yeah. mine like if I don't want to be inundated with messages that make me feel bad like I don't have to be mm. and so that means for the first time um beauty and fashion companies have to give you what you want and listen to you on a hyper personal basis and targeted basis as opposed to three or four you know, beauty companies that own 80% of the market and decide this is what's in this season and tell you that's what you want. I love there's a line in the Glamour article that you were in that, uh, you know, someone said like a skin tone is born every single day, mm. right? And by 2044, the vast majority of Americans are going to be minority. Mm-hmm. The minority is going to be majority. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's powerful. And so how, how do you feel like nudist fits into that revolution? Right, we're 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 actually coming to terms with who we are. I think it fits into the idea that you know one size fits all doesn't make sense anymore. Um, that you know it fits into the body positivity movement mm-hmm. that we see. Um, it fits into, I think, even more importantly, like um, a big data play as well, because as businesses are coming to terms with these stats, you're saying, right. The browning of America, um, they need to educate themselves on, well, who are these people? What do they look like and how can I serve them best? Yeah. And so our business is able to empower companies with data on the distribution of skin tone. 
tell our listeners what your business is. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. How does it work? Yeah, sure. So we are software as a service. It's a web application that we've named Nude Meter. Yep. And what's exciting about it being a web application as opposed to something you have to like download in order to use is that we can embed it into the websites of any retailer or brand. Yeah. So right now we have two fashion brands. One's located in um, Harlem, the other one in Oakland, California, um, who sell nude products. Mm -hmm. And so they're able to put, we put nude meter on their websites and a customer can scan their hand and then answer a couple questions about their skin. And I did that today. Awesome. (laughs) And then we're able to predict, okay, this product matches you at this brand. And also if your skin tone changes, this is what will match you in the times yeah. that you told us you like to tan or a darker skin. I love it. So I went on the website today. I uploaded my photo. Mm-hmm. It gave me a number. Mm-hmm. And then it gave me all these products that would match right. my skin. Right. Which was awesome. Yeah. So we we also, on our own site, we do have it too. Right. And we have a database of over 3,000 products that we've scanned across lingerie, hosiery, shapewear, shoes, and beauty. Right now, you scan your hand, but we're moving to scanning your face, taking yeah. a selfie, and also working on um, using some deep learning with a computer neural network that my brother is doing research <laughs> on. He's my CTO. That's awesome. So that we can predict the lighting in a photo mm. and be able to give you a consistent read automatically, right. regardless of taking a picture inside, outside, yellow lighting, yeah. red lighting, whatever it is that you're in. So what's cool about this is like one, you're making people aware of the products that are out there for them. What is the impact that you're going to have on companies to Mm. serve people that they're not serving right now? Yeah, for sure. So um, the dream is to get this technology on a large retailer site. Um, Like a Walmart? Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Right. That's where that Walmart background comes in, that thinking Um, or a beauty company. Right. And so what this technology can do is with the user's permission, of course, capture the color of that person's skin and their tanning preferences. And so that means I can tell brands, this is the distribution of skin tone for your customer base, Mm. right? And regardless of purchase completion, users, when they go through that process, provide that data once they provide that permission. Right. And so that's really powerful. It also gives brands the opportunity to start talking to consumers based on the color of their skin, as opposed to like predicting it based on like demographic data, which is important in beauty. Right. So I can say, okay, I know your skin tone is changing at this time, or I know, um, you know, this is the color of your skin. Let me actually show you models wearing my product that look like you. So tell me about the fundraising experience. What's it like? Do you, when you walk into mostly probably all white male VCs, do they get it? Are they starting to get it? Is it changing? Yeah, that's a great question. So whenever I talk to men in general about this, they are confused. And I say, <laughs> this is about nude fashion and beauty. Like, what does that mean? Nude? Like, what right. are you talking to me about? So I have to first explain what the category is. And then what I find is incredibly important is talking about the problem and the pain point that I'm solving. So showing them feedback from customers who use the technology, right? And showing them how um, it makes them feel to literally put on white skin if they're a person of color or yellow skin if they're a very pale person and it doesn't work for them. Um, It's showing them the market opportunity. And so I've realized that I need to rely on the language of business more than ever in order to prove my credibility. What surprised you in this process? 
surprise me. Um, oh my gosh, so many things. Let's see. I think how much um, you need to know yourself in order to be a successful entrepreneur. Um, and what I mean by that is know really well, like what you're not good at and not just like from a traditional like skills perspective, but like your own personality yeah. and weaknesses. Um, because not only do you need to like hire and find help in the places that you're weak, but you also need to understand like when you're really stressed out, what are the personality like weaknesses that are going to come up and be challenges for you when you're managing your team. Yeah. Um, and so I, that's why I love having my brother as like my, counterpart leading the company because he's very opposite in I guess stereotypical ways from like an engineer perspective but um we're able to be very honest and he can tell me like Atima this is what you need to work on or when you're talking with the engineers or when you're talking with the social media managers or whatever this is what you need to do differently next time yeah and I find that to be so helpful um and when I and when I'm not doing well I find as well that like the company can't do well so it's so much about like knowing myself, taking care of myself so that the team and the company can do that. I would say you can't be brave when you're tired. So what, what, what's, (laughs) what's your, you know, how do you heal? How do you rest? Are you bad at it? Are you good at it? Like what's (laughs) the tactics or strategies that work for you? Maybe, um, therapy is awesome. Yeah. I, you go, you go every week. I go every week. Yeah. Every week to therapy, um, which has been, like such a game changer yeah. because I find myself managing things like fear a lot less in my day-to-day life. Um, and a lot of fear comes with the territory of running a startup yeah. for the first time, oh my God, you know, you feel exposed. Yeah. So I feel empowered by that every time I go to therapy, like, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Um, I also surround myself with people that support me. You know, my family is incredibly supportive. Yeah. Um, I can call them if I'm not feeling good. Um, I also tell people, you know, your chosen family, like yeah. that can be friends that you call family, people you can keep. I've had like with. eight friends for 20 years. Exactly. Like my crew. Exactly. Yeah. They know everything about you. Right. Um, they understand like how you feel when you're like describing this situation happens and they're like, Oh, well, yeah. this, this, and this, like this is what's happening, which is good. It's very lonely. Like it's very mm. lonely. I mean, people think it's so glamorous and fun and it's really, really, really lonely. Yeah. I, I think that's an excellent way of saying it. Um, you know, people see, oh, like you're in Glamour magazine, yeah, you're in Forbes or whatever. I'm like, yeah, that feels good. I ride that high for like two minutes, <laughs> and then I go back to like the day to day difficulty of it all. Yeah. Um. You know, one of the big game changers for me is where I work. Um, I work out of the wing now. Yeah. And speaking about loneliness, I mean, before that, I was working in coffee shops and. Yeah dealing with all types of unexpected things like men coming up to me and trying to hit on me and all these right. things when I'm like heads down trying, trying to get work done. Right. Yeah. So like being in a co-working space where there are other women who are hustling um, or like freelancers or yeah. entrepreneurs who are just like being in a space with others. Yeah. And then we're going through the same thing. Right. Exactly. It's powerful. So, you know, we both, I mean, there's always, I feel like this kind of, immigrant, uh, the daughter of immigrant struggle, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like, you look, you know, and learn how to hustle from your parents. Mm-hmm. And like my father, for example, will always, will never big me up. Right. <laughs> like he always keeps it a hundred for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, these accolades, like going to these schools, getting these mm-hmm. jobs, like it matters to them. So how do you balance, right? Like mm-hmm. 
having the freedom in some ways from your upbringing to take risks, but at the same time really needing to please people. Oh my gosh. That has been like the ultimate anxiety for me. The tension between wanting to be a good child, um, a good, you know, uh, daughter of my dad and my mom who have instilled like, or have have imagined success looking like working for a big company, a stable opportunity, a very more cookie cutter path to success versus doing what I'm doing now, which is very uncharted waters. Um, And like, how do I deal with that? I think, you know, explaining to them how important this is to me and how I feel like it's my purpose and telling them, you know, you worked really hard and all of these people sacrificed, right. Um, for me to be here and be able to make this choice. And when I say that to them, they they get it. Right. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, any parent, whether they're an immigrant or not, they just want their child to be happy yeah. and to be able to do what it is that they dream of. Yeah. And so they're supportive. And for it not to be too hard. Mm-hmm. I know. I think I play this game. My mother, to this day, every time I come home, she'll, Betta, why aren't you a lawyer? <laughs> just go to law school. And I'm like, it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like all, anything I've done, it, it, but I know at the end, she, she actually is quite proud of me. Of course. But she just almost like wants to give me a way out. To, mm. to do what may be the easy thing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but it's real. Yeah, I think, you know, sometimes it gets seductive to like, be like, oh, I could just, you know, stop dealing with all these anxieties and stresses of like the startup life and I could just go get a job. Right. You know? Yeah. And in a second. In a second, I think about that. That's an amazing privilege I have. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for that privilege. It's an awesome safety net. And then all I need to do is like talk to my friends that are working in more traditional corporate jobs. And they're looking at me like, oh, what you're doing looks so awesome and seductive. Yeah. And so I realized, oh, the grass is greener, you know, everywhere. everywhere. And like, I'm, it's, life is hard. It's right. hard regardless. Right. And this is my purpose. So why not go for it? And I think the difference is you have no regrets. And I think to live a life without regrets is a powerful life to live, even when it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you so much. This is so great talking to you. I wish you all the best. You're just, you're such an inspiration role model for so many girls. And it's just, it's going to, you know, it's a game changer. Thank you so much. Um, One thing I will offer is that I actually do one hour of office hours every week. Oh, amazing. um, Because it's important to me to give back. um, All right, ladies, are you listening? Ladies and gents? (laughs) Yes, Yes. anyone. Anyone, right. They're open to absolutely anyone. They can just go onto um, the website, um, nudest.co slash office dash hours. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Brave Not Perfect. Got a question for me? Send us a note at Brave Not Perfect podcast at gmail.com or call in directly via the Anchor app on your phone. Until next time, this has been an episode of Brave Not Perfect with me, Reshma Sajani.